on this edition of Emerging Daily. How do we expect our prayers to make any kind of a difference or to affect anything, to affect something or effect something? And we can't do either if we don't know what we're praying to. I began seeing myself as light, and I would see this spark inside me begin to grow. When I would pray, I would just see this light in me begin to just fill my body, my physical body up, just fill me with light. And then this light would just begin to just go even beyond my physical body, and it would just encompass me. I would be filled and and consumed by light, and it would just go from me to cover the whole world. And let me tell you something, when I would get into that state, and I would really, my consciousness would really just be so focused on that light and, and allowing that light to just consume me and flow through me and to everyone else around me. Some things really begin to happen. See, your imagination is given to you by God, and it's for a purpose. Your imagination is important, and it's a part of the creative process, and it's a part of of meditation, it's a part of prayer. It's a part of allowing you to create in your consciousness in order to bring about change in the world that we see, in the physical world use the internet to communicate with other people but you have to know how to use it in order for that communication to be communicated properly you have to know the principles involved you have to know the etiquette and the proper way to send an email for that email to be received by the person you're sending it to prayer is much the same way there are principles involved but if we don't partake and understand what those principles are then our communication is not being communicated our desires even our worship is not being communicated in the proper way it's not affecting what it's being sent to do it's not it's not producing any results You acquire mastery of this just like you acquire mastery of the game of chess. It's something that you, after you practice it, after you do it, then you can really begin to see the effects of it in your life. But first you have to do it. This is Emerging Daily with Charlton Scott Fisher. Scott is the founder and leader of Emerge Nashville, a spiritual refuge that's an evolving ministry expressing radical grace every day. Emerge is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your tax-deductible gift and to learn more about Emerge, visit EmergeNashville.org or email EmergeNashville at gmail.com. We hope this program will help you to emerge as pure gold and to steer you to put love into action. Welcome to this edition of Emerging Daily. I am Scott Fisher, and I really appreciate you listening to this podcast. I hope that it is inspiring you, edifying you, strengthening you, helping you to grow and to develop spiritually, and helping you to allow love to flow through you in your daily life evermore. Today, I want to look at prayer. Do you pray, and how do you pray? How do you pray? If you pray... How do you pray? How are you praying? Think about it. How are you praying? What are you doing when you pray? I know that there are people listening to this who have chosen to leave the religious system. They they don't even um, participate in any kind of structured religion at, at all. They don't go to church at all. They don't uh, get with the groups to 
learn or meditate or pray or do anything. And then there are some that have left the evangelical system to move over into what is termed a progressive type system. And I want to ask you, do, do you do you pray? Do you still pray? Because I'll be honest with you, there was a time when, as I was questioning, and I've, I've, I've been questioning everything that I believe ever since I was 16, 17, 18. I started then. Ever so, that's when I started teaching and preaching. And, and so maybe that was why. But, but I really, and then in 88, there was a book came out, 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Would Happen in 88. And of course it didn't. That also helped spark a desire in me to really question everything because, you know, I was really deeply involved in, in the belief of the rapture. And so I began to question everything. Well, as I have grown and, and changed in my belief system and my thought system, I also went through a time when, and I still do, there's periods of time that I still do this, when I just don't pray because I really don't know how to pray. There's times when I just don't know how. And there's times when I just really don't want to. Because, you know, I have times when I'm mad at God. And if you'll be honest with yourself, there's times when you are. And you just don't, when you're mad at somebody, what do you do? You either argue with them or you just shut yourself off from them and you just don't talk to them for a little while. And so there's times when me and God just don't jihaw and I just, you know, I just quit talking. I know he's, it's talking, she's talking, however you want to term it. But there's times when I don't want to hear it. And then there's times when I just don't know really how to go about prayer because of the fact that I question really where am I praying? How am I praying? What am I directing my prayer to? Because I obviously don't believe of a, of a God that's off in outer space somewhere beyond the sky. And I don't believe that my prayers have to reach out to some invisible being out yonder somewhere. So what am I praying to? And how do I go about this prayer? And I don't know if you've not, maybe you've never questioned this, but what are you praying to? What are, what are you directing your prayers towards? And it's really important because if we don't know what we're praying to, how do we expect our prayers to make any kind of a difference or to affect anything, to affect something or effect something? And we can't do either if we don't know what we're praying to and if we don't know how to do it. And prayer is important. It is a necessary thing in our spiritual development in our everyday life. Jesus even said, when you pray. He never said, if you pray. He always said, when you pray. With the understanding, of course, being that you're going to pray, so when you do, do it this way, or do this when you do it. So obviously, prayer is important. Jesus would get up early and go by himself and pray. And he said, I only say those things I hear my father say and only do those things I see my father do. How did he see it? How did he hear it in prayer? So it's important. So do you pray, and how do you do it when you do it? Jesus said, when you pray, go into your chamber alone. Now, does that mean you can't pray in a group? No, that's not what it means. Because he prayed in the presence of his disciples or they wouldn't have known that he prayed and they wouldn't have known what he said when he prayed. And they asked him to teach them how to pray. And so he gave them a method of what's called the Lord's Prayer, which really should be called the, the Disciples' Prayer. But still, it's important to know that prayer is needed. But what is prayer? What is it? Is it just you spouting off some things? Is it just reading some liturgical prayer that's been written out that you just that you just quote and read as a wrote? Just read it out and that's it? What is prayer? Prayer should really be a communing 
of you with spirit, with God. That's what prayer should be. So when you do that, where are you doing it? He said, go into your chamber. Well, where is your chamber? It's your heart, your innermost being. It's your soul, your consciousness, taking that and putting it in a place that nothing around you can really affect because you are focused on spirit. You're focused on God, just you and God, you alone with God. So it's an important, it's an important thing, but it's not just a one-way conversation either. See, prayer should be a dialogue, not a monologue. It's not just you saying some things or reading some things. But I will say this. You can read a liturgical prayer, and if your consciousness is in the right place, you can really receive something out of that prayer, and it can really affect you spiritually, and it can affect some things, bring some things about in your life. So it's all about your consciousness. Where is your consciousness when you're praying? And then what do you do? How do you receive from spirit? How does that happen? You know, many years ago, back when I was in my late teens and early 20s, I was really question, really, really, I mean, even more so than at any other time, I guess, beginning to question everything. And I really began seeing, and I don't know why, I don't even remember what sparked this, but I began seeing myself because God is light and I knew God was in me. I began seeing myself as light and I would see this, this spark inside me begin to grow. When I would pray, I would just see this light in me begin to just fill my body, my physical body up, just fill me with light. And then this light would just begin to just go even beyond my physical body, and it would just encompass me. I would be filled and, and consumed by light, and it would just go from me to cover the whole world. And if I was in a group and we were holding hands praying, I would see that light going through me into them and going throughout the whole group and then coming back to me and circling the group. I don't know why I saw that, but that's how... And let me tell you something. When I would get into that state, and I would really my consciousness would really just be so focused on that light and, and allowing that light to just consume me and flow through me and to everyone else around me, some things really began to happen, not just in me, but in others. There were times when physical healings would happen. There were times when I would lay hands on people and there would be physically healed. And you might think I'm just crazy and I'm making this stuff up, but I'm telling you the truth. Some things happen. I don't know what caused me to pray that way, but when I did, things happened. Now, I want to read you something. This is from a book called Renewing the Covenant, A Kabbalistic Guide to Jewish Spirituality by Lenora Leet. Now, I never, I just got this book either last year or the year before last. I've read it through, but there's things in it that really I didn't even see until recently as I was looking back through it. And I want to read you something that she has in here. And she's actually quoting from another work. And I'm going to try to pronounce this, but... Forgive me if it doesn't come out right, but the name of the work is Shi'ar HaKabanah La Mekubalim HaRoshanim. And really, and she puts the interpretation, which is a good thing. Uh, it's the gate of Kavanah of the early Kabbalists. Now, Kavanah, or Kavana, or however it's properly pronounced, means intention. Okay, so then to interpret it even more, it's the gate of intention of the early Kabbalists. So that's what she's quoting from here. And it was written by... Rabbi Azrael of Garona, and he was a disciple of Isaac the Blind. Now, I'm going to read you what she quotes here. When a person sets his mind on something, its essence returns to him. Therefore, if you wish to pray, or and, and by prayer, that's an understanding of you're seeking, you're coming to God for something, okay? That's what this is saying. When you wish to pray, when you're coming before God, before spirit, for some purpose, 
or if you wish to grasp the true nature of an idea. In other words, if you're praying for the purpose of fulfilling some need or desire, or if you're coming to just really to learn more, to, to understand more, to know more about God and about spirit and about how the kingdom of God, God's way of doing things is, then do the following. It says, imagine that you yourself are light and that all of your surroundings on every side are also light. In the middle of this light is a throne of light. This is the light that crowns the desires of the mind and illuminates the paths of his imagination, enhancing the radiance of the vision. This light has no end. When there is no other thought or desire intermingled with his concentration or intention, it can become so strong that it can transmit an influence from the infinite or from God. And that word is Ansoth. Okay, so this is telling you to basically do what I was doing, and I didn't even know why I was doing it. It just was there. It was in me to do it. But this is telling you this is one way to meditate, one way to pray. And I think that is pretty awesome that I was doing this and didn't even know why. But see, your imagination is given to you by God, and it's for a purpose. And we tend to, to leave our imagination behind as we grow. That's the reason Jesus said, become as a little child. Your imagination is important, and it's a part of the creative process, and it's a part of, the, of meditation. It's a part of prayer. It's a part of allowing you to create in your consciousness in order to bring about change in the world that we see, in the physical world. This is, again, uh, from, from the book Renewing the Covenant by Eleanor Elite. She says, in talking about what we just read, she says, as the work later concludes, this is one of the ways of prophecy. One who accustoms himself to it will be worthy of attaining the prophetic level. And then she says, the master is one whose words and deeds reveal the identification of such an individual with the divine power. And his purpose is to perfect himself into an instrument of divine revelation. Such an instrument can accomplish anything, but only so long as he does not use his power of concentration or intention for his own needs. Yet, if his will is properly directed toward revealing the highest will, working through all his words and deeds, his purified personal desires will also be fulfilled and all his needs met. Then she says, the spiritual master is one who can perform miracles through the power of his concentration, his kavanah, his intent. And then she's uh, quoting Abilafia, and she says that he also speaks of the mystery of true discipline through which you can alter the laws of nature. And, of course, that's what Jesus did when he multiplied the loaves and the fishes. So do you pray and how? Because it's sort of like, okay, think of prayer. You know, today we, we use the Internet, or some people do, to communicate with other people. But you have to know how to use it in order for that communication to be communicated properly. You have to know the principles involved to a degree. I mean, you don't have to know exactly how the internet works, but you have to know the etiquette and the proper way to send an email for that email to be received by the person you're sending it to, in other words. Or even if you're using instant messages or whatever, even with a text message, you have to have that person's phone number correctly entered and you have to send it in the proper way for them to receive it and to understand what you're saying when you send it. Prayer is much the same way. There are principles involved, but if we don't partake and understand what those principles are, then our communication is not being communicated. Our desires and our, our even our worship is not being communicated in the proper way. It's not affecting what it's being sent to do. It's not, it's not producing any results. And how many of us, you know, we pray and we think, well, what good is it? 
how how is it accomplishing anything? It doesn't seem like it's doing anything. Well, first of all, you have to understand, as I shared yesterday, the good that all things are working towards, the purpose, in other words, that all things are working towards is to bring about the will of God, which the will is for us to be like him, to be like spirit, to be like Christ. In other words, for us to have the same nature, the same character, for the love of God to so consume us that we are expressing God fully. That is the good that all things are working towards. That's the purpose. That's his will. That's the will of God, the will of spirit. So if we don't have that first place and first and foremost in our in our thoughts and in our intentions, then no, our prayers will not really be effective and they will not bring about any results to, to amount to anything because we're praying from a perspective of self-fulfillment rather than to please the Creator, to please God, to fulfill that will. But as we align our will with that will and we realize I really do want to be like God. I really do want to have that nature and that character. Then also, as that happens, the very power of God also begins to be a part of me. And that power can flow through me to effect results in this world, in this natural world, in my life and in the lives of those that are around me or that I'm praying for or that I'm ministering to. And the same goes for you. But see, we have to put that will first. We have to understand that that will is the primary will. She says that the text tells us that a focusing of the will powerful enough to elevate an object of desire to the infinite becomes a channel by which a reciprocal influence powerful enough to fulfill that desire can be transmitted from the infinite. Concentration on this objective is facilitated by a visualization of oneself as a center of light surrounded by the infinite light, which of course is God, Ein Sof. Such visualization reveals the essential unity of the self with the infinite, since all is light, while it maintains the distinction between the inner light of the self and the surrounding infinite light. Now, she again quotes from what we read before, an individual thus ascends with the power of his concentration and intention from one thing to the next until he reaches the infinite. He or she must then direct his concentration or intention in a proper manner so as to perfect it, so that the highest will, which is, of course, the will of spirit, will of God, should be clothed in his or her will. I'm talking about you or me. Not only that his or her individual will should be clothed with the higher will. In other words, the highest will should be clothed in our will. So it goes on to say the highest influx does not de descend except when the individual does this correctly. Now, does what correctly? Allows its will to be clothed with the highest will and also for the highest will to be clothed in our individual will. It says the highest will and the lower will are then unified. The individual identifies himself or herself with his or her attachment to the unity, speaking of spirit, speaking of God. The divine influx, which is basically the spirit of God, Christ in us, flowing forth, that's what it's referring to, can then be transmitted in order to perfect him or her. The lower will is not perfected when the individual approaches for his or her own needs. Rather, one must approach while clothed in the will and the desire to reveal the identification that is hidden in the concealed mystery. In other words, Christ in us. That's the mystery. Paul spoke of that in, in his writings, particularly in Colossians. The mystery of Christ in you. So we have to identify with that and allow that to be our will. 
and for that will to be so clothed in our will. In other words, it just basically becomes one will. For Christ to so consume our lives, the light of God, to so consume us that we are one. in es- Not just in essence, but we are one in this reality, this physical reality, that God can so use me as a vessel. And it's not that I, that I lose my self-identity, but it's that I become one with, just like Jesus when he spoke, he said, I, and he was referring to God. It's the same type thing. It's a prophetic. That's the reason later on she said this is one of the ways of prophecy. Because you become so one with God, with spirit within you, that it just becomes your will and, and, and its will and its will and your will become so one. And its nature and your nature, its character and your character are so unified that that's all that is seen. That's all that is expressed. Now it goes on. It says, when one approaches in this manner, the highest will then brings itself close to him or her. It increases his or her power and motivates his or her will until he or she can accomplish anything. This will even include things that he or she desires, in which the highest will does not have any portion. In other words, as you allow it to so consume you, then you can even accomplish some of the things that you as a person do desire because your desires have been purified and, and it's not just that you're seeking for your own self, but you're also seeking in order to bestow your you're receiving from God in order to please God as as a vessel, but you're also helping other people. Your desires basically like like I said have been purified. Now, in quoting again from the book, she says the mystery of this true discipline involves three things influx, which is basically the spirit working through you symbols and words first a process of attunement that can initiate the divine influx in other words that can get you into a place where spirit can begin to work through you even work through your mind to cause you to pray in a certain way to cause you to say certain things and to help your imagination to process what is is being communicated both between you and spirit then a process of employing both visual symbols and words And so she quotes again from the work that we quoted from previously, which was the gate of Kavanaugh, or intention of the early Kabbalists. So here again, she's quoting from that. And it says, the individual must be clothed in spirit, expressing his concentration or intention with words in making a symbolic act. According to how he does this, the influx will be transmitted from potential to potential, from cause to cause, until the result is completed according to his will. And when it says his will, it's little his, it's talking about the individual. It was in this manner that the other early saints would linger an hour before praying, and here it's referring to spiritual practices of early Hasidim in the Mishnah. And it's uh, referring to that, where it says that in this manner that the early saints would linger an hour before praying. Then it goes on, it says, During this period, they would dispel all other thoughts, fixing the paths of their concentration, their intention, and the power of its direction. In other words, they're trying to focus their intention, focus their concentration, get their consciousness so clear of other things that they can really focus. And to see, faith is about focus. When you're using faith, faith must be focused. When you're praying, if you're just scattered around, if you're just scatterbrained, and you're not really focused on what you're purpose is at that time why are you praying what are you praying about and is it wrong to pray for your own needs 
I hope you're being blessed by the podcast today. We wanted to pause for just a moment and just remind you to please check out our website, EmergeNashville.org, or you can also go to EmergingDaily.com, either one. You can find out more information about our ministry, about some things that we're wanting to do, and how we're wanting to make an impact in the Middle Tennessee area and in the world. And also, please let your friends and family and, and coworkers and people know about the podcast. It's available on all pretty much all the podcast platforms and apps and of course it's available on our website and also check out our facebook page it's facebook.com slash emerging daily and like our page if you would and share it we would really appreciate it and we'll get back to the message here shortly If you like good old country cooking, then you're going to love Bell's Little Country Kitchen, located at 210 West High Street in Lebanon, right in the heart of Middle Tennessee. Bell's Little Country Kitchen is family-owned and operated, and is Lebanon's new favorite place for great country cooking. They have a terrific breakfast and lunch menu, as well as awesome specials throughout the week, like the Friday night, all you care to eat catfish dinner and fixings, and their Saturday morning breakfast bar. And now, they've teamed up with We Deliver to bring their super southern food right to your home or office. You can find out more by going to their website, BellsLebanon.com, where you can see their menu and specials, and even order delivery. That's BellsLebanon.com, located at 210 West High Street in Lebanon. You're going to love Bell's Little Country Kitchen, Lebanon's new favorite place for great country cooking. Faith must be focused. When you're praying, if you're just scattered around, if you're just scatterbrained, and you're not really focused on what your purpose is at that time, why are you praying? What are you praying about? And is it wrong to pray for your own needs? No, as long as you keep in mind the purpose of God. The purposes of God must be first, which is to allow the nature and character of God to consume you. When you understand that that is the purpose that that's the will of spirit, the will of God, and that is first and foremost, then no, it's not wrong to, to pray to have your needs met or to even have a desire fulfilled as long as you keep those purposes in proper order. But then he says that you need to be focused. You need to be focused on what you're coming into prayer, what you're meditating on, what is the purpose. Be focused on that and clear yourself of anything else. So if you're, if you're praying about getting healed, clear yourself of all other things. This is what we're dealing with. We're dealing with healing. Clear yourself of all other things. Why am I seeking healing? Because it's easier for me to express God in this earth as a, as a healed vessel, as a, as a perfected vessel. And so it's easier for me to allow the glory of God to be seen through me and for me to fulfill my purpose on this earth if I'm healed, if I'm a healed vessel, if my body is healed. It's easier for me to allow the love of God to flow through me because I'm not so self-conscious about the fact that I've got these issues that need to be healed in my physical body. So I'm focusing on healing. I'm focusing on healing because it helps me to fulfill my purpose as a vessel for God to work through. Okay, so it says they would dispel all other, all other thoughts, fixing the paths of their concentration and the power of its direction. They would then spend an hour in prayer, verbally expressing this concentration or intention with words. Finally, or at the end after that, 
they would spend an hour after their prayers contemplating how the power of their verbally expressed concentration or attention would have a visible effect. In other words, they would spend another hour imagining, using their imagination to see how what they were praying for came about. They were using their, their imagination to see the fulfillment of what they were praying for. And see, Jesus even, even alluded to this. He said, when you pray, believe that you have received and you shall receive. Mark eleven twenty three. See, Jesus is using this same teaching. He says, Verily I say to you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now listen to verse 24. Therefore I say to you, What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. In other words, you have to believe that you receive them first. And that's what this is saying. Using your imagination, you see yourself having whatever it is that you've prayed for, whether it be healing, whether it be the answer to a question that you have. You know, you maybe you're praying about your business and you have a question about, God, how should I, what should I do in this situation? Or you're living in a place that's not very pleasant and you wish to have a better place to live. You see yourself already living in that. You see yourself having received the answer that you have prayed for. Why are you asking to have a better place to live? Well, because it shows that God is blessing me in my life, and so that will help create a desire in other people to allow God to flow through them in such a way that they are walking in those blessings also, in other words. Now, I'm saying that just because you don't have a good house, you're not being blessed by God. No, but it can mean that you're not praying properly, and it can mean that you're not using your faith in the right way. There are reasons for everything. Everything in your life has a reason and has a cause. And as I've said before, the whole purpose of it all is to bring you into this place where you are a vessel for God to work through perfectly. Anything else is sin. In other words, that's missing the mark. It's not meaning it's some bad and terrible thing. It just means it's missing that mark of the glory of God being seen through and as you. So all of your life, even the bad things, are happening for that purpose of pushing you over into this place that God can so work through you, that his glory, its glory, is seen in you and as you. See, this would go along with the teaching of the Lord's Prayer. Because Jesus said, after this manner, therefore, pray ye. Our Father, who art in heaven. First of all, where is heaven? Well, if you understand, and, and, and as I said before, we'll get into this teaching about the tabernacle and about understanding how it's relating to us spiritually. Heaven is within us. It's that inward part, that inner sanctuary, the most holy place. But he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's the worship. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So this relates in putting this, the will of God prior and of the foremost importance understanding what that will is which is that christ would be seen in and through me and as me that spark of god the light of god the nature and character of god to be seen in me through me and as me thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven in other words in my in my physical body but primarily what he's saying there in my daily walk in my daily life as it is in the spirit realm in that inner sanctuary in other words, my spirit is holy. It's already, that is from God. It is God in me. But allow that to be expressed through me, through this earthen vessel, as this earthen vessel. So then once, once we get our will in line with 
God's will, putting God's will in primary focus and place, then he says, give us this day our daily bread. In other words, then is when I can present my needs and my desires to God to have those things fulfilled. Now, going back into uh, the book that we were reading from, she says that it can be referred to as transformational meditation. See, prayer and meditation, in, in our Western way of thinking, we see meditation and prayer as two separate things, but they're really one. They're really the same thing. To change, and I'm reading again, quoting from the book, to change the course of events or alter the laws of nature, the master must be filled with spirit and focus this spirit with words while making a symbolic act. In other words, this last phrase can be understood as using the imagination to symbolize visually the desired result. Then she goes on and says, according to how powerfully he or she is able to focus his spirit or intent. In other words, to focus their intent and that influx of spirit through words and visible symbols, the influx or the power of the spirit within moving will be transmitted from potential to potential, from cause to cause, until the result is completed according to his will. And that will is the person that's praying. She says, from this it seems clear that the spiritual master can alter the workings of causality by effectuating certain potentialities that might otherwise have remained dormant but are still available within the realm of possibility. His power, or her power, involves a mastery of the higher dimension of providence, in other words, of God, of spirit, a dimension that influences the apparent randomness of events to bring about a desired result consistent with justice, in other words, with the ways and means of God, and then may operate through the improbable possibilities at the further limits of the curve of probability. She says that the master visualizes a desired result and decrees its manifestation. Once you pray, and remember we read what Jesus said, that you must believe that you receive it, and then you receive it. You visualize, and then you decree it. That's what prophecy, that's what pro uh, prophetic utterance is. She says it involves a visual focusing of the imagination toward a specific purpose. It involves a verbal carrying of the problem to the infinite or to God, and a visualization of the transmitted solution that must be verbally interpreted to give it potency. In other words, you don't just imagine it, you even speak it into existence. Your, your words, James says, in the, book of, in the book of James, in the New Testament, he says, your words turn the wheel of nature. And so you verbally interpret the solution to give it potency. Okay, now she goes on to say that this is all a sign of a, a, of a more profound personal transformation that the master has undergone prior to performing any miracles. In other words, you before you can really bring about change and affect change in this natural world and even in your, in your own life or in the lives of anyone else, you have to undergo a personal transformation yourself to get your will in line with the will of God. You know, you remember Jesus did not perform any miracles prior to his being recognized by God as my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He had to get to that place to where he had grown. He had gone through transformation. He had dealt with the temptation and overcome. Now, that doesn't mean that this is a one-time thing. Even the Bible says that Satan left him for a time. This was not just a one-time thing, but there are periods in each of our spiritual journeys that are more intense because you go from one age, one stage, into another. 
from one realm of, of spiritual life into another realm, from glory to glory, as Paul said. But then, well, she says, he must first dissolve his own ego and make himself like nothing. And then she's quoting from the Zerecher Medjid. She says, to enter the universe of thought, where all is the same, you must relinquish your ego and forget all your troubles. You cannot reach this level if you attach yourself to physical worldly things. So, now this is, this is talking about during your prayer, during your meditation. To get into that state, to get into that place, see only light, see only spirit, see only God. Don't, don't focus on anything but that. Let that so envelop you that you become one with it, and that's all that you're focused on. You're only focused on God. You're only focused on spirit. You're only focused on the light of the Creator. You're only focused on that. But, she says, you don't remain in that state of nothingness. You then lower yourself transformed into a vessel of divine power clothing God. In other words, once you get into that state and then the influx of the Spirit, the Spirit begins to move in you. Then you come back You come back down from that place, from that exalted high place. You enter it by worship. You enter it by focusing on God. You enter it, hallowed be thy name. You, you focus on that nature. The word name means nature. And you you see the light and love and life of God, and you see that light just overcoming you and enveloping you and encapsulating you to where that's all you see, and you become so one with it that that's all that there is. Then you come back down and, and become a vessel clothing God itself. Then the highest will, and quoting from the previous work that she quotes from, the highest will will be clothed in his will. The highest will be, will be clothed in your will. She says once he has so transformed himself... He can perform all miracles through the same process of visualization. She says that all the masters have seen and understood meditation and prayer, which the two are basically one once you realize what they really are. It's not just a discipline aimed solely at spiritual purification for the purpose of eternal union with God. That is part of it, but not the sole purpose. But it's also at purification for the purpose of channeling the divine energy back into this realm, the human realm, as a means of perfecting this realm. That's why Jesus said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To bring that realm of God into this physical realm. Okay? To bring the perfection of God into this physical realm, which includes healing, which includes being set free from, from drugs and alcohol, which includes being healed mentally, physically, which includes being blessed in your in your work and in your job which includes having better things that includes that but the other must be first and it must that must be your main focus to allow god to so envelop you that his nature its nature its character its light life and love to so flow through you that you are a vessel clothing god which you are anyway but that you're allowing god to be seen and manifested in you and through you and as you Again, quoting from her, from Lenora Leet and the book Renewing the Covenant, she says, it is aimed, speaking of meditation and prayer, once you really understand what the purpose of prayer is. Prayer is to commune with God, and there's always a purpose in it, because we are, see, we are created as vessels. We have a desire. We were created with desire, but our first desire must be in line with God, to become one with God, but then to allow God. God to flow through us, in us, and as us. She says it is aimed, speaking of prayer and meditation, which, as I said, the two are one. It is aimed 
not at the dissolution of personality as an end in itself, but as a means toward the achievement of the transformed personality of the master who can accomplish anything. See, that's how, that's how Jesus was able to do what he did. Do you pray and how? Do you? You need to if you don't. Do you meditate? You need to if you don't. Get in, the, get in a place within yourself where it's just you. Get alone in your chamber, as, as Jesus said. Close the door. In other words, shut out everything else. Shut out everything else. It's just you and God, and you, you become one. You realize that God is all there is. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. God is one. God is all. And you see that so enveloping you that you are one in it. You're like the drop in the ocean. You are one with it, one with that light, one with that love, one with that life. And then so visualize yourself as that. See, that's how our imagination can become a part of this. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Matrix, but in my opinion, you need to see it. It will help you. Those of you who have seen it will understand where I'm coming from when I say some things that I'm about to say. In The Matrix, this man, played by Keanu Reeves, is awakened. He realizes that this life is really controlled by something else. Now, there's different ways of interpreting the movie, but this is one way that I'm explaining it, okay? There are many ways of explaining our spiritual journey and our spiritual life. It's like, it's like layers of an onion or looking at a bouquet of flowers. There's so many different ways of interpreting it. One of the ways is to see that there are things within that we don't see, or a hidden or a spiritual realm, if you, if you will. Once he is awakened, he doesn't stay in that place. So when you're praying and you get into this high, exalted place in God, Paul referred to it as the third heaven, which is really when you realize the teaching of the tabernacle, the third heaven is the holiest of all, the holy of holies. When you get to that place, you do not stay there. You come back. And so when um, Neo, the character played by Keanu Reeves, he didn't stay in that high place. He would come back into this natural world, this physical world that we see. But if he needed something, he would tap into that other realm. It was almost like a prayer, almost like a meditation. And they would plug it in. They would plug in whatever he needed. If he needed to know how to fly a plane, they would plug that into him in, that, in, in the other realm. And then in this realm, he was able to do it. Whatever he needed, all he had to do, he would say, okay, I need this. And then it would be plugged into him, whatever knowledge he needed. What I'm telling you is that prayer is much the same way. Once you can get into this state, whatever you need will be plugged in. And you can see it. If he needed, if he needed weapons, he, he got plugged in and he brought those things over into this realm. When he saw it in that other realm, it became real in this realm. So whatever you can see, you can bring it over into this realm here. If you can really see it with the eye of faith, once you get into that state, once you get into that place of oneness in your meditation, in prayer, then whatever you are going there for, if you're going there just to get an answer, you believe and you see it in your mind and you're, with your imagination, you see that answer. You see yourself receiving that information. See yourself receiving it and then see yourself executing that, that information. If it's healing, physical healing that you need, you see yourself, once you get into that space, once you get into that, that place, then you see yourself as healed. See it. See it with all the power of your imagination that's in you. See it and receive it and declare it, and then it will come forth. Now, this is, this is something that you learn. This is something that it's acquired. 
you acquire mastery of this just like you acquire mastery of the game of chess or some other video game. It's something that you, after you practice it, after you do it, then there is, you can really begin to see the effects of it in your life. But first you have to do it. It's just like a baby walking. You're going to fall. You will fall in, 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 in doing this. To begin with, uh, what you're praying, it may not come about right then or it might not come about at all. But don't give up. Don't lose hope. Don't draw back. Paul said, we, don't, we are not like those that draw back unto perdition. Well, the book of Hebrews says that, whoever wrote it. We are not as those who draw back, but we believe. We, we have certainty. That's the word in, in Hebrew has more to do with certainty. You have certainty that as you practice this, you will master it, and you will accomplish that which you set out to do. You will become more like God, and you will become a master of the universe, I guess you could say. You become a master over your first your body you know we have to we have to master our this flesh we have to master our attitudes we have to master our emotions we have to master these things once thy kingdom come and, and thy will be done in this earthen vessel then we can begin to really affect change out here and it come it'll come in 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 stages it'll it'll come in ages and stages in courses and there will be times when you will have a breakthrough spiritually. You'll, you'll overcome some uh, aspect of your thought system or belief system, or you'll overcome some uh, aspect of your attitudes and emotions that, that tend to get the best of you sometimes, or you'll overcome some kind of temptation or what have you. And then there'll be times when you will get into this state and you will really make some major breakthroughs in your meditation and in your prayer, and some things will be accomplished in this outer realm that we call physical. But don't lose heart if it doesn't all happen at once. Even the disciples weren't always able to accomplish, and they were with Jesus. So don't lose heart, but do practice it. Do practice it every day as much as possible. Now, I believe in praying without ceasing. I believe in constantly meditating and constantly having your spirit and your mind, your consciousness, your soul open to God and constantly talking to God and receiving from God. But there are also times when you just need, and this needs to be certain times every day, that you just get alone, even if you can't outwardly, and it's good if you can, you do, there are times you just need to physically go somewhere and get alone with yourself. But even if you can't do it all the time, still, you can do it consciously. You can shut everything else out, even in a crowded room, shut everything else out and get so focused on God, on spirit, and you commune with God. You become one, you see yourself as one with God, and that thing over overtakes you, and you just get enraptured. See, the rapture is not uh, physically catching up. It's when we spiritually are caught up into that realm of God. And you see yourself so caught up into that third heaven, as Paul said, which is the Holy of Holies. You so, you're just so one with God, and then things, things will happen. Be blessed. Thanks for listening today, and we hope you were stirred to put love into action. Feel free to send your questions or comments to EmergeNashville at gmail.com, and please consider donating on our website, EmergeNashville.org, or write to Emerge P.O. Box 3242, Lebanon, Tennessee, 37088.